everyone and welcome to read watch play i'm cleo i'm corinne and i'm justin and on this episode well first of all we do not have james with us uh, unfortunately but on this episode we will be talking about oxenfree developed by night school studio uh and i guess to summarize oxenfree it's kind of in the genre uh that people have been referring to as kids on bikes which is you know connected strongly to meddling kids in in general but there aren't any kids on bikes in this one it just has that feeling of they should be on bikes. And our protagonist is Alex, who is a high school student, and she is with her friends on this island off of Portland? Or is it Maine? Or is it, like, Oregon? It's it's Oregon. It's Pacific Northwest. Okay. And she has her very new stepbrother with her, and some friends who are more frenemies than friends. And there is spooky supernatural stuff going on on this island, uh, in, I don't know how much I can really say without, like, it being spoilery. Like, they're high schoolers on an island there to kind of have a party, and then things go awry. As things often do. Yeah, I think that about covers it. I can say that I really love this game. I've played through it three times. Um, I really enjoy the music. There's some special kind of hidden secrets in the music. Uh, I enjoy the artwork, which is kind of... It's like kind of cartoony and cute for the storyline, which is actually, it can, it gets pretty dark. It does get pretty dark. I like the voice acting. I like the whole thing. Yeah. What did you, like, did you overall enjoy your experience playing this? Yeah. Yeah. I, I really liked it. Um, I liked it more than I was expecting to, uh, which isn't to say that I thought it was going to be bad or anything. It's just the kind of game that typically doesn't hold my interest, but um, the, the story was very strong and it got a lot creepier than I was expecting it to which was was good it was cool uh, I think it also helps that it's such a short game I, I played through it in you know short little play sessions uh, through the course of like a week probably I wasn't even playing every night but it, it was it was good I liked the characters a lot I liked the story a lot it surprised me where it went at certain times and that was all all good stuff yeah I mean I, I played it the first time probably over a year ago at this point. And I just remember I like just sat down one day and I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm finally going to play Oxenfree. It's been sitting in my Steam library. And I sat down to play it. And the next thing I knew, I was done. Uh, and that's, I guess, another benefit of it being a short game is like, it's it pulled me in such that I didn't want to stop until I was done. And that's exactly what I did. And just kind of echoing pretty much all of your points, Corinne, that it went places I didn't expect it to go. And it was like creepier than I expected it to be because it was creepy in ways that I wouldn't have expected. And it, it played with stuff that, that fascinates me. Like it, it took this genre and, and used a mechanic that I love. So yeah, I really, really enjoyed this game. Yeah. I do think it was really the perfect length um, to hold my attention. Um, I'm just, I don't know. It was, for a genre that's kind of pretty widely explored, I was surprised by how unique the experience felt and the story did have like some very fresh stuff in it. And um, it starts out in a way where you could anticipate it being a little bit generic. And then it, it, it presents new elements that keep the story completely interesting. And it's also a game that, so I played it pretty much right when it came out and then uh, again, when the new Game Plus material came out, which is sometime afterwards, uh, 
long enough that like I felt like it was a I didn't feel bored playing through it again because there's there's a lot of repeat stuff in New Game Plus and then some to, to the point where you have to kind of like keep your eye out a little bit to be like wait was that there before which is something that's also fun for me because it adds another element of like creepiness. It's hard to describe the atmosphere of it for me a little bit other than just like the generic words of creepy like there is there is like some existential elements to it that I think are we don't see it in every title in the meddling kids genre. Yeah, I mean, I think in a general sense it it hits all of the kind of beats and tropes of like teen horror. Right, where like just a group of teens end up in a spooky, creepy situation and have to figure their way out of it. Like it, it kind of checks off all those boxes pretty well. But it takes that whole idea and just sort of inverts it a little bit to, um, or to touch on themes that we don't often see. Also, if anybody is interested in ARGs, there was a pretty interesting uh, one run for the promotion of this game. It's it's like the first thing that I want to talk about when we. Let me get past the spoiler break because the ARG for this game was so nuts and is it's it's just one of my favorite things I I've like seen in games was the ARG around this thing. It was so cool. Yeah, and it's pretty well documented on YouTube and whatnot. I have never actually played any ARGs really like in I've watched other people kind of participate in it, but I always feel like I'm never able to be caught up on things enough to ever participate in things when they're actually happening i always learn about them after they're done so but this one is definitely interesting to look at in retrospect i don't know anything about any arg so i'm excited to hear what this is it was i remember when i played the game the first time it was still actively going i think Mm. it was close to wrapping up uh based on what i remember of the history that i read but i was still like i finished the game and then was like on the subreddit and I was looking at stuff and I was like, Oh my God, there's this crazy ARG and I like read everything I could. And I was looking at the Twitter account and I was doing all the stuff and it was really neat. Yeah. I, I think that, I think it, we would do well to briefly speak about the mechanics before we hit the spoiler break, uh, especially I think how much active peril I felt as though I was in when the only things I could actually do were tuned to different radio stations, which I feel like a lot of games where you don't have like, sort of direct combat options, you feel a little bit too abstracted from dealing with threats and you feel like your options are only to run away. I guess like a lot of a lot of games where you can't fight back are scary because you have to run. I feel like this game was was scary because there were threats around you and you had to do things but you know the the only thing that you could do was use a radio and that was really cool. Yeah, I also really like the radio mechanic. I I like the idea of radio mechanics in general. Not that that's like a super duper prevalent thing. Like there's not a whole genre of radio mechanics in games. But whenever things like that do show up, I really like it. And there was just, I don't know, because there's also hidden story tidbits within when you're tuning different radio stations in. Um, The things that you catch between the stations that are actually like mechanically important um, are thematically and narratively important um, to an extent. And there's like little things like Morse code that you can, if you really want to like spend the time digging in, you can translate that or at this point, like look it up online, which is what I did. Um, The only game I think to this day that I've actually like sat and had to like translate Morse code because no one had done it yet was when we played through her story. Um, But other than the radio 
And, you know, it's, it's an adventure game. It kind of reminded me a little bit of like Secret of Monkey Island. Uh, and so it also had a little bit of a nostalgic feeling because of that is you have dialogue tree or like di- dial like three dialogue options at any given time, usually maybe two sometimes. I think it's always three. Um, and that's typically what changes the course of the story is your dialogue options. And they do some they do some fun twists and spins on that uh, that we will talk about after the spoiler break. Yeah, it's it's kind of nice to like your your dialogue choices can um, you know affect your relationships with the the other people in the game. And without getting too specific, it was nice to see a game where your relationship felt like it could and did like change meaningfully with people by the end or like at the end. Because it's so often that I feel like you get games where you're given these choices and they're made to feel important, but they don't ultimately have that much effect and the story is still going to flow in like one of just a small couple of ways. And they, even though that's what happens here, they made that, they were able to make that feel like impactful and sort of alter the relationships in ways that felt meaningful. I agree. (laughs) No, no, for, for a short for a short narrative game, it's like hard to dig into that much stuff without yeah. feeling like you're spoiling everything. Yeah. Um, so, but before we get to that, I guess we should talk about our next and final series, uh, which is, do we have an official title for it other than just endings? We're just talking about endings, right? It's it's just the end, I think. is The a... end. Yeah. So for our read, we'll be um, taking a look at The Dark Knight Returns. For our watch, we will be finally after like literal years of me wanting to do this, we'll be watching Labyrinth. And for our play, we will be uh, playing Passage, which will be the shortest thing we've ever looked at to date. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, after, but we, before that, we will still be having our topic episode next, uh, in which we will be taking a look at this entire series of meddling kids. Uh, so hopefully you'll join us for our final series. And now, spoilers for Oxenfree. So I guess... The first thing I want to talk about is what I think officially, at least on like the wiki, uh, are they're being referred to as the sunken, and because it's not quite correct to call them ghosts, they're like kind, they're like a version of ghosts, they're like alternate dimension ghosts. Yeah, it's it's hard to. There's a lot of speculation in terms of like who they are and where they end up on the paranormal spectrum and like what exactly people would consider them. I thought, I got the impression, I guess, for whatever that's worth, uh, that they were not quite ghosts, but they were in limbo if limbo is an adjacent dimension to our own, as opposed to, I don't know, a, a strictly spiritual thing. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing there, and this is jumping right to the end. Yep. Um... But there's a point at the end where the sunken speaking through Clarissa to Alex say that, um, you know, they could have really left any time they wanted, but they didn't want to. And the implication to there, or to me there, is that they could have, you know, moved on to whatever it means to be well and truly dead um, and really didn't want to. And that was what kept them where they were. Yeah, it's interesting because they, and I like, 
I liked that it wasn't just like, oh, they're ghosts, the end. Um, and it's sometimes hard to do an intelligent twist on that, um, on, you know, any kind of monster or creature. We've seen throughout the history of horror media, whether it's like movies, books, comic books, video games, like what have you, folklore even, like everything has been covered a lot. So, and specifically having this, like there's history that is woven into the plot of the game. And I think that they do a good job of making that really interesting and keeping it relevant. And there are some red herrings thrown in, but they don't feel super distracting. They feel like they're adding flavor. Um, and I specifically like that the sunken are, you know, people, uh, sailors from world war two who were in a submarine that exploded itself and, or well, it didn't do it to themselves, but they got exploded into another, into the limbo dimension, essentially. And there's something that's so, spooky about just submarines in general um i want there to be a whole genre of just like horror and other stories that just talk about how fucking weird submarines existing even is like these vessels that are just so deep underwater and you're literally just like so far below the surface and it's creepy and i mean i think we can all agree that submarines are just the worst thing mankind has ever invented (laughs) but you know i also do greatly fear the deep ocean and uh you know submarines are they they spit in the face of that yeah just generally terrifying yep yeah and i've been the hubris um, of man yeah so there's a really good also if if you're interested in submarines i suggest you take a look at the world war ii museum in new orleans which has a really interesting uh interactive immersive submarine experience that will make you even more terrified of i don't ever want to be immersed in a submarine real or otherwise <laughs> and uh, yeah so, you sink I mean, in the submarine too in a submarine but you're just in a submarine that's above water and on land what if somebody what okay hear me out what if i'm on that submarine and everybody doesn't realize i'm still there and then they take the submarine out and suddenly i'm at the fucking bottom of the ocean in a metal tube that protects a tiny pocket of air sounds, and there i am that sounds like a great premise for uh <laughs> some oxen free fan fiction <laughs> or just a, a perfect horror movie or horror game yeah one one person on a mysterious on a, on a submarine mysteriously transported from dry dock to the bottom of the ocean i don't think there is any there there's no good way to be on a submarine <laughs> I think that's the moral of the story. No, but seriously, if you've ever been inside, like I've been inside submarines. I, I for some reason, in, when I was in Finland, I was inside of a submarine. I don't remember why. Um, <laughs> probably because they erased my memory. Um, but it's it is cramped. It is like you're sleeping on top of each other. It gets really really hot in there. Like it's just like if you think about it, it's 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 worse than when you're thinking about it when you're on an airplane because everyone flies. Like not everyone, but like people. Flight is a frequent thing. If you're thinking about it and you're inside a submarine, you're going to have, like, some really... You're going to have bad times. You're going to have, like, Lovecraftian bad times just thinking about it. So I thought that was a smart... (laughs) It's... And all the imagery that Oxenfree used with being underwater and these kind of, like, these visions that Alex has or whether she's being actually transported somewhere, it's sometimes unclear. But they do a good job using this fairly... And I don't want to, I'm not using this in a derogatory way, but in like simple art um, to convey some actually like really creepy imagery 
and that's that was really impressive to me. And I much would prefer that to like having a horror game with super, super realistic illustrations and art. Yeah. I also, I think that one of the successes of the spookiness of the game is, uh, is the way that they play with expectations. So like when I first went into this and there was, you know, spooky radio stuff happening and then, you know, you go underground and then extra dimensional triangles happen. I was like, okay, this is like a, this is like a dimensional thing. Like that's, this is, this is some other plane of existence and, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be extra planar and spooky in that way. And then, uh, as I was continuing the adventure, um, I had my first encounter with, you know, the, the ghostly presence with like, you know, the, the big dark figure with the glowing eyes and all that. And my, the, like the first time that I got a flash of that, it like, I, I remember being like, oh, this is not just an extra dimensional story. This is a ghost story. And that like, it was unexpected and like really frightening in like in the moment because I had been expecting sort of uh, kind of a, a, a sci-fi story, but, and it is, but also there's ghosts and the, the, the union of those two things I think is, was unexpected and extra spooky for me. It's also just a combination of things that I love. Like, give me all the sci-fi horror, please. There's also so many layers to this story, really. Like, if you want to do a quick playthrough without, you know, doing completionist run, and given, like, completionist is really not that hard to do. Like, you'll still get the gist of the full story, and you'll have a, you know, a good idea of the whole thing. Um, you get more of the, because there's the two, there's Anna and Maggie, who are the women during World War II, um, who initially deal with this, all the stuff that uh, eventually leads to Alex and her friends getting sucked up into all of this. And Anna is the one who is responsible really for the explosion of the submarine by accident. Wait, no, Maggie's the one who's responsible for it. Not Anna. I Anna's remember. the one who dies. Okay. One of, one of them is, yeah, becomes an old lady, dies, leaves her house behind and all the stuff is still in it. And I really like exploring the house. Um, that was also spooky. And, I really liked the picking up all the Maggie Adler letters because usually when you have some kind of a quest or storyline or some kind of side plot where you're like, oh, pick up all these fragments of this thing and you put them together and it will like reveal a little thing. But all the letters really, there was like so much story in those that it made it really feel worth it to like go around the entire environment and pick all those up and to go to all the, um, the, the anomalies, which were the little stone, like the cairns with, um, the radio signals that are specific to them. And some of those radio signals were really, really creepy. Like, like I did not want to play by myself creepy. Yeah. All of the radio stuff, the audio, like editing and everything in this game is really well done. And any like even when you weren't near those things there would just be like weird dead air glitchy ghostly voice stations that are just always creepy just like the like arguably to me at least some of the scariest things in the game is just like the way they played with audio in that sense yeah i definitely agree and the one fun thing one one fun fact is um 
and th- th- I found this out when I was looking up the ARG stuff, is that for one of the tracks um, in the soundtrack, which you will hear in-game, is, I think the title of the track is, um, oh god. Like the, the main track, Be- uh, Beacon Beach? Yeah, Beacon the Beacon Beach track. Um, there is, and, and it's not obvious, like, at least it wasn't obvious to me uh, when I was playing the game, and the, is that, and I listen, this is a soundtrack I just listen to on its own sometimes, too. Like, I, and I'll talk about that in a bit, but there is Morse code written into the music. So there's, like, one synthesizer sound that, once you, like, know that and you listen to the track, it's like, oh, now I see it, and it's messages from Maggie Adler talking about creepy i don't remember exactly what she's saying but it's it's like creepy downer stuff uh, about how she's like failed um it's not uplifting and so knowing that when you're listening to the music given and it's interesting because the music is non-diegetic so it's this extra weird meta thing going on of like is it mad maggie adler talking to you as the player like what is because obviously sometimes there, there is music in the game that is both that is well that is that is diegetic. And then there's music that's completely non-diegetic and that's like a typically non-diegetic track. And it's just, I don't know. It's, I love stuff like that. So you brought up the ARG. Um, do we want to talk yeah, about that now? We can definitely talk about that now. Man, it was intense. The, the way that it was uncovered in the first place is still so nuts to me. And it's one of the things that I love about ARGs in general is that they're the best ones are hidden and found natively by the community. So this deals with the anomalies that that Cleo was just talking about. There are 12 of them in the game, and at 10 of them, there was a point where Maggie gives a letter in the, like, uh, like military, uh, like, not alphabet, but, like, the the call signs they would use for letters, right? Huh? NATO? Yes. The the NATO alphabet. So Maggie would would give a message uh, in 10 of the 12 anomalies... With the NATO, with a NATO letter and a number, and rearranging those messages in alphabetical order, and then using those numbers led to a phone number, and that phone number was the beginning of the ARG. You called that number, and that was where the first hint was. And the first hint was a version of the game's title track, Beacon Beach, with extra hidden Morse code in it that just spelled out Maggie repeatedly. And that was sort of like how they were, how they knew that there was something new happening, that there was some weird thing going on. And that was like the beginning of the ARG, right? So then everybody who used a cell phone to call that number uh, on a day later in January all received a text message with Morse code. Yeah, yeah. And so they broke down the Morse code and it said, uh, good work. DLBB, listen close. They all decided that DLBB must mean download Beacon Beach, and so they went to the Bandcamp page for the composer, and there was a version of Beacon Beach that he had put up on there. And they downloaded that version of Beacon Beach, and there was more new Morse code. Apparently Night School really, really loves Morse code. And it translated to search Twitter for num. Search Twitter for num. It just played it over and over again. You search for the phone number that this all started with, and there was now a Twitter account that tied to that phone number. And over the course of several months, random, there was just a bunch of random things that were happening, and some of it was noise, and some of it was, was important to the game. And 
over the the course of like way too many things. This is where the ARG gets like really nuts and and a lot of a lot of stuff happens, but they the Twitter account started deleting unnecessary like tweets and retweets to help people focus in and they focused in and were able to determine a list of rules. They everybody was encouraged to cooperate because it was the only way to solve it. Everything was going to come through the Twitter accounts. Then the phone number associated with the ARG started doing other stuff. There were voicemail messages, and they started to be different. This went on until late May. Uh, so the game, I think, came out in January 2016. This all went on until late May, where they determined that they needed to go to an actual physical island that exists in this world, <laughs> and it's off the coast of Oregon. Uh, a group got together and, and you know, named themselves the, like, adventuring party that were going to do this. And they went out to Bainbridge Island off the coast of Washington, and they found an object. It was a World War II, uh, like, first aid kit in which there was a music box and two strips of music, one of, both of which were tracks from Oxenfree. After it was found and it was, like, proven publicly to be found, the, the ARG kind of ended. Uh, they found letters that were supposed to be written by Alex to a bunch of people. And at the end of it all, they determined that the all the physical items that were tied to this should go to the like person who started the Discord for the ARG. And so they made that decision, and they ended the expedition, and that was the end of the, the ARG. It just pointed them to like a thematic, real-life Edwards Island with like a music box and like a mock-up tape player of the thing that you see in the game, and it was this like crazy scavenger hunt. Maybe the ARG's not really done. I mean, maybe it's not, but admittedly, the the Twitter account says like, "Hey guys, good job, everything's done." Mm. <laughs> I love immersive storytelling so much. You know, the real power move would be to release both the the original game and the sequel at the same time. But the sequel can like the sequel is only found at the end of the ARG, and it's not actually done because we don't have the sequel game yet. Yeah. Well, because that's something that I was I was thinking that um, originally I had thought New Game Plus was tied to the end of the ARG, but I think it actually came out before the ARG ended. But that would have been really interesting, is if they they waited until the end of the ARG to like release the patch with New Game Plus. Yeah, that would have been that would have been rad as hell, right? I think one of the other things that they got um, all the people who went out to the island is there was like a USB thing, right? That had like a special track that they i think the composer for the game asked them not to release online it was just for the people who took the time to play out the arg yeah it was like a they they described it i think it was like a he demonstrated how to use the music box that was included and there was like a message to the arg folks that was like you know just sort of like a personal congratulations kind of message thing that's fun as far as we know Uh, yeah as far as we know as far as we've been told They've been playing. They've been playing all ten oxen freeze this whole time, <laughs> but it's not for us, right? Uh, so yeah, I thought the ARG was really cool, and like it's effectively like really fancy, long-winded geocaching. But like, it's just really, it's really interesting to me. That is, that's very neat. Uh, did I mean were they just running the ARG for for funsies just to Seems just like to it. have one? Yeah, just a big community thing, which I mean from like a business and marketing standpoint 
probably a really, really smart thing for like a new indie studio to to do, just kind of in general. The internet certainly does love its mysteries. Right? In the end, aren't we all meddling kids? Ah, uh, yes. So speaking of meddling kids in general, I'd like to talk about the characters a little bit because I thought that, you know, when you have non-teenagers writing teenagers, well, actually, no, even when you have teenagers writing teenagers, it can go bad. But like, you, sometimes you have the little bit of the, the life is strange quality where you have like people saying slang that kids like just don't ever say uh, but I thought that these characters were written pretty well and like, in, you know, some of them are developed more than others, but there's some like cute stuff in there. Clarissa, <laughs> I never really, I think that she's just like an asshole and I know like supposedly the good ending is where she stays with Michael um, and like Michael gets to just uh, be brought back to life and stuff. And I agree, like Michael being brought back, it's interesting because I don't generally agree with the good thing should be he is just told to like stay home and like never leave uh or not never leave but like not to go and explore the world after graduating but i'm not sure if the happy ending really should be that clarissa and he stay together because she's a huge asshole for telling alex basically that it's her fault like i don't care if she's grieving like alex was michael's sister so telling her that it's his her fault that he died is really, really fucked up. And I don't think that she should necessarily have the that happy ending in order for everybody to have, like, the happiest ending. It's interesting. I mean, because you, you raise the point that ultimately it doesn't matter, right? But I think the explanation that a lot of people would, would use is that she is grieving, right? Or that, not even that, that she's grieving, but that the event itself is what, like, made Clarissa the way that she is as we see her. Because the the one look we get of Clarissa in the past is of, like, a pretty genuinely nice and caring individual. Yeah. Yeah, that, that one flashback when it's, like, sort of the first time that Clarissa and Alex are spending time together. Yeah. Clarissa seems, like, nice, friendly, you know, e like, really trying hard to, like, make a, a good impression out of this meeting and genuinely, like showing an interest in Alex and her life and stuff like that. So Clarissa might not have uh, been such a bitch before her, you know, the person that she apparently wanted to, you know, settle down with died. I still think she's responsible for her actions and behavior. Right. I mean, it's, it's weird to look at it because this is a time travel story, right? And so this is a time travel story where it's easy to look at it as like Clarissa being rewarded by like Michael still being alive and her getting this thing that she wants, but... It's just weird to, I guess, to me to be absolute about it in in either way because we can't really know what the Clarissa who like gets to spend her time with Michael is actually like. I think more accurately, you know, it, it's hard to say what the the Clarissa who doesn't go through traumatic grief is is like. Yeah, that's the if Michael doesn't die, like what is wh who is Clarissa? That doesn't make the things that she does, that doesn't make the things that the Clarissa that we know and see in the game, doesn't make the things that she does, like, okay or better in any sense. But in a sense, that person doesn't exist if Michael doesn't die. So, exactly. So that the bad Clarissa is ultimately punished by being erased from existence. <laughs> Chew on that existential dread. Yeah, it's a little bit, because, like, 
there are endings of the game. Actually, I think it's, it's arguable that pretty much every ending, there are is at least one version of Alex that's just trapped perpetually in a loop on that island. Yes. So, I mean, first we should probably talk about time mechanics, because we've been talking around it a little bit, but haven't actually, like, talked about how all of it... So, like, the, the sunken are trying to, l- like, leave and continue to live their lives like they feel like they had their lives stolen from them which is sort of the crux of all of this and they're stuck in this time loop and alex gets herself pulled into this time loop because she was probably always meant to seems to be where the game verges on this stuff and so the the loop is that like there's always an alex and and insert cast of supporting characters they always go to the island they always do all these things that they do and they always just barely manage to get off the island, and then it starts over again. And Alex is just trapped in a loop of, it's the end of the school year, and we're going to this island, and we're going to have fun, and then everything happens, and then we get off the island, and then it starts over again. And everybody is stuck here, because Alex activated the like original source in the cave. To me personally, it's a really, really interesting idea for a game, because I love when games play with time in like a meta narrative sense. Like there are a bunch of these alternate realities and there's all these Alexes that are all trying to break free of this loop. And the loop is never ending because the game can be replayed an infinite number of times. Alex is only free when everybody stops playing Oxen Free. Yeah. And that they illustrate it in such interesting ways. There are three points in the game. This is one of my favorite things where alternate Alexes give, like, messages and instructions to your Alex. And they're represented by your own friends who have already played the game. Oh, I did not realize that. And so when you finish when you mm-hmm. finish the game, uh, you're given the option to, to give answers, right? The same answers to the same sequences that you saw throughout the game. And you give your answers, and those are fed into their system. And then when your own friends play the game... It's just like, a you know, they draw out of a hat and you might be one of the Alexes they see in one of those three sessions and ditto for you. So I had three of my different friends and there are two points you can see it. In the mirror reflections, you can see their uh, usernames mm-hmm. above the Alex's head. And if you can't make those out or you don't notice that, uh, in the credits, the other Alexes are all listed at the bottom with uh, your friend's usernames. That's really cool. Actually, I do remember that now that you mentioned it. Yeah, it's just this, it's just like this way of illustrating that everybody is playing a version of the game that is an alternate Alex stuck in the same time loop, and it's this, like, multidimensional theory, and it's, oh, it's so cool. I love stuff like this. Clearly, we haven't been doing enough existential dread topics, because normally you would say, I hate stuff like this. <laughs> I love, I love mechanical stuff like this, and it tells, it tells these stories in ways that don't me- don't make me feel a particular amount of existential dread for some reason cuz like it should it definitely should yeah this is not a particularly like it's not particularly hopeful especially with the first playthrough like with new game plus and that you know the best ending it is more hopeful but certainly not during the first playthrough and i don't know what it is about it that it doesn't fill me with like oh my god i'm like not going to be able to sleep at night dread but it's certainly one of those things if you think about it a lot you're like holy shit that's really fucked up yeah well for our listeners benefit and for corinne's benefit uh new game plus basically just adds a little extra something to the end um 
I don't know if this always happens or if it only happens if you you play out the ending in a particular way. But in the game, there's a point where you as Alex try to get a message out to Alex, to like past Alex. And you're like, don't go to the island, basically. And that plays out and, and like nothing really comes of it in the first playthrough of the game. You just get to the end and it loops and you're like, oh, fuck. The second, your second playthrough of the game, when you play New Game Plus, you get your ending, it goes over whatever, what happens with everyone and you figure everything out and then it loops and you're like, oh shit, it's still happening. But you get a cutscene that takes place earlier than the beginning of the game where uh, Ren and Alex and Jonas are hanging out before they go get on the ferry and they're all talking, whatever, and Alex tunes the radio in to listen to something for some reason at Ren's uh, request and you get to the station and it breaks in and Alex is like, Alex, it's Alex. Like, don't go to the Island. And then there's a little bit of back and forth and they decide not to go to the Island and they go get some pizza and they move on. And so the ending is it in a lot of people's minds signifies that the loop is broken at that moment. And there is an Alex who never goes to the Island and never starts the loop. And like she is free, and yes, there is there is an Alex that is probably always trapped in the recursive loop, but she was able to break her message out into whatever multi-dimensional plane it had to get through to stop an Alex and to stop the loop and allow that that dimension to like proceed. Neat. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you something creepy that I do? That sounded really weird, actually. Yeah, by all means. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, so please. I'm such a fan of the. <laughs> oh God, I need to work on my phrasing of things, but I'm such a fan of the Oxen Free soundtrack that um, there are certain places where I've gone where I'm like, "Wow, this looks a lot like the environment from Oxen Free," or like that music could go really well set in the background here. So when I've been when I was in Maine last summer or the summer before last summer, um, in Maine and that part of like the Northwest that a lot of these games we've actually covered, a lot of games we've covered have actually taken place in, uh, have a lot of similarities. And so when I was on the ferry in Maine, I would listen to the oxen free soundtrack, specifically like beacon beach and like clean slate and some of the creepier tracks and just be like, yeah, this is like a really good match, but then the fog would roll in and stuff. And that would be really super creepy. And I would stand, like, out on this dock by myself while the sun was going down, listening to, like, various horror soundtracks, including... It was, like, It Follows and Oxenfree and a few other ones. And I actually, like... It sounds like, potentially, it's fun. And, yeah, it can be great inspiration, but... I spooked myself to the point where I was, like, afraid to walk off the... Like, go back to my house, because I was, like, I'm really... It was not good times. It was really, really genuinely... A bad idea like i felt i was frozen in terror and i still sometimes test myself like there's woods near my house and i'll go outside and like part of it is that i'm working on a kind of horror game right now that has some elements w- shared with oxen free and this whole kind of meddling kids genre uh and so i'll go for like walks in the woods listening to creepy music to kind of try to just get inspiration for stuff and it's like it's 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 fun and also horrible at the same time yeah that all sounds pretty accurate i i can picture the oh wow this is a great tonal match i am immediately terrified and don't don't want to do this anymore and you reach that point a lot sooner than you would think and it's very sudden and then you're already in the woods and you have to walk through the woods again to get back home 
it's too you late. You yourself, but you're already in the woods. Are there any other parts of Oxenfree that we want to talk about in particular? I do want to mention that there is talk of um, them making a movie out of this. Is it a movie or a television show? It might. I think it's a movie. And it's the guy from The Walking Dead who wrote Walking Dead, I think, who's involved in that, potentially. Robert Kirkland? Yeah. I feel like Oxenfree is anything other than a game loses a lot of its oomph. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, it seems like a bad medium match. Like, yeah, I get adaptations are all the fucking rage these days, but... Very few of them turn out well. Maybe just leave the the thing that specifically takes advantage of the platform of video game alone? Like, it's hard enough for games to do things that are truly unique to their gaminess, especially when it comes to telling stories and not just dealing with interesting mechanics. So for a game to actually manage to do that, we should just let it be a damn game. Yeah. Although, I mean, I would watch the shit out of that, I have to say, just because I love everything Oxenfree related. Sure. I just think that, you know, much like going out into the woods, finding the the perfect, you know, finding the perfect tonal match and then spooking yourself out, you're going to go in, you're going to watch a a TV or movie adaptation of Oxenfree, and then you're just going to be disappointed. Maybe, yeah. Like, you can't help yourself, but then you're going to be put in this, like, terrible mind space. Yeah. Then when I'm in the woods, I won't spook myself anymore. I'll just think about the movie and how disappointing it was. (laughs) (laughs) Justin, you were saying something about um, another game that potentially is like, or it's in the same universe that's going to come out after another night studio or night school studio game. Yeah. So night school announced recently that their, their next game is called after party and that comes out sometime next year. And I don't know if it's officially announced or if it's rumored or what I hadn't had a lot of time to look into it. Um, but I saw that the it, it seems their next game after this game, After Party, is, uh, if not a direct sequel to Oxenfree, will we'll take place in sort of, yeah, the same universe. I'm so going to get on, in on that ARG while it's actually happening this time. Yeah. It's actually, it's just going to be an ARG. Sequel to Oxenfree is just an ARG. Perfect. It's literally just like, go into the woods and listen to the Oxenfree soundtrack. <laughs> Pick out the Morse code, but you can only do it by candlelight in the woods. Oh man, I would write this LARP slash ARG slash random immersive experience that we, all these terms bleed in together at one point or another. Who who wanted to or did sacrifice Clarissa at any point? I did. I, I, I definitely wanted to a little bit, but I didn't do it. Cleo? I did it at some point. Not for like what I consider my canon playthrough, but I did it one time just because I was like, fuck you, Clarissa, you're such an asshole. Yep, had a feeling. How, uh, what a, what did was... you did you take did you ever take the deal when they offered it the first time? Yeah. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, what happened? Um, I, I I think they still I just agreed to it, and then it still plays out the way that it normally would, and then they ask you again later. Okay. And then, yeah. So when you take. When you walk out that gateway, like, what is the ending like? Uh, she's just gone, if I remember correctly. I've played through it so many times, I'm trying to remember. Um, I think she but just... But, I mean, it's not like it stops the loop, right? Cause no. Because kind of fly in the face of everything. Wouldn't that be funny if it did? Gosh. <laughs> what if the best ending... The true what if... ending. <laughs> the true ending is no Clarissa. <laughs> That's my true ending. There it is. <laughs> but, yeah, it's not, it's like, it's, it's not, like, a super glaring thing it's just it's like it's pretty subtle or not subtle but like it's not life-changing it's it's 
it was not as satisfying as I had hoped. I mean, it changed Clarissa's life. <laughs> um, how did your endings go? So, Corinne, you only played the game once and you played it recently. Uh, were you estranged from anybody? Did Ren and Nona end up together? Did oh, Michael um, come back to life? Uh, so my my first and only full playthrough that I got through, um, I ended up on real good terms with Jonas. Uh, Ren and Nona were not together. The game told me I had, like, cock-blocked them, but I don't remember, like, doing that. So I guess, I don't know, maybe my general <laughs> presence just... Just did that? I, I'm not sure. I don't I didn't intentionally like I didn't intentionally like split them up, but apparently the game thought otherwise. Uh and I actually I was on like fairly good terms with Clarissa at the end of it. Uh I think the the person I was like least close to at the end of everything was Nona, and it wasn't like a bad thing, just like, yeah, we kinda of just drifted apart. So, you know, besides the fact that I'm stuck in an infinite loop of terror and hopelessness, um pretty good ending. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, my first ending, I don't remember it very well, but looking over the Steam achievements was helpful. Um, So I did manage to prevent Michael's death, and Ren and Nona ended up together. Uh, And I assume, because I don't remember there being anything particular bad, that uh, Alex and Jonas were able to be friends despite everything. And uh, I don't really remember what her relationship was like with Clarissa. Somehow, in my second playthrough, I managed to not bring Michael back to life and also ended up on, like, not great terms with Jonas. But Ren and Nona were together and Alex and Clarissa were on good terms. And that's... I think the order for me was the first time I played was, like, way pre-New Game Plus stuff. And Nona and Ren ended up together. I ended up on... Alex ended up on good terms with Clarissa Michael, I didn't, I had no idea that there was a possibility of bringing Michael back. And I like, I looked that up afterwards and I was like, well, fuck, I have to replay this. Honestly, there was a (laughs) point at which I hoped that New Game Plus would offer the opportunity of Michael is still alive. Your parents are still together because of that. And you have like the option to romantically pursue Jonas. (laughs) Because like the step siblings, it's not really like siblings. Because also they're like, they just just met. Like, it's not. This is a, this is an interesting an interesting perspective into the life of Cleo. <laughs> a peek below the hood, as it were. There are scary things here. Um, second playthrough was... I played through with my boyfriend, and so we wanted to do things differently than, like, how I played... Because wanted, I wanted to have, like, a different... I wanted to see what would happen if I did, like, the opposite of what I did the first time. And so, like, we fucked up Clarissa. Um, Ren and Nona did not end up together. <laughs> Michael did come back and was not with Clarissa. No, because yeah, he was not with Clarissa because Clarissa didn't exist, I think. Or maybe Clar- I I think we fucked up getting rid of Clarissa at w- during one playthrough and like she was still around for some reason, but they weren't together. And Jonah's kind of like drifted apart from the rest of us. And then I think on the third Maybe I played through more than three times because I feel like I got a lot of endings somehow. <laughs> I remember like yeah, I, I imagine it all blends together and there's also the magic of YouTube. But I definitely, yeah, I definitely got, like, true ending at what, in the whole scene, in the, like, in the parking lot at the gas station or whatever, and deciding not to go to the island because of the hearing the radio thing. Yeah. And then at some point, Clarissa didn't exist, uh, but not in that ending. Uh, I think I've, I don't know. I don't, I don't know it, what all the, all the possibilities and all the combinations for endings are, but I think I pretty much hit 
all of them. Or at least all the major ones. As long as Clarissa died. Um, but no, one thing I thought uh, that I think is interesting, there's uh, an achievement for making everybody hate you. Yeah, uh, I saw that. So apparently it is possible to play the game in such a way that everybody hates you at the end. You're just gonna be a dick the whole game. I don't like being mean to video game characters. I'm bad at it. Yeah. I'm bad at being mean. <laughs> the first time I ever uh, witnessed the game at all was my friend Sharong had, uh, I think he he was reviewing it for something or he, he had gotten it and, and I was, we were playing through it together or playing through it together. And, um, I wanted him to be like, I had this whole arc in mind. I really wanted him to be mean to Jonas, uh, so that they could have like a redemption arc towards the end and like come to, cause it's, it's more interesting storytelling wise. If like there's a contentious relationship in the beginning and then they like come together through the spirit of having to deal with Spirits. horrible, supernatural sunken ghost people. It's- submarine operator extra dimensional malignant hive mind you know that thing that repairs all sibling relationships yeah just brings people closer together (laughs) and with that yep uh so i guess we're gonna wrap up now um yeah so we'll talk about oxenfree a little bit more in our topic topic episode um when we're gonna be kind of talking about the idea of meddling kids in general um or not not like broadly in general, but specifically the three titles we've been talking about. We're going to be talking about those, you know, Gen Z nuisances. Um, and their Tide Pods. <laughs> and their oh God. <laughs> oh, this is the world we live in. Um, so, yeah, come back for our next episode, which will be our topic episode for Mendling Kids. And then after that, we're going to be having our final series, which is just going to be on the end. Uh, so, Thank you so much for listening and see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Read, Watch, Play. If you want to help us out, the best thing you can do is to tell your friends about the show. You can also rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to find us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at RWP Podcast or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash RWP Podcast.